Ladies and gentlemen, welcome down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I will be your host. In this show, I interview some of the world's most interesting entrepreneurs, change makers and thought leaders, where we go deep into their mindsets and uncover some incredible stories and amazingly profound philosophies and strategies on entrepreneurship, human performance, health, spirituality, purpose, social impact, and everything in between. If you want to take your life and your business to new levels, then this is the show for you. In this episode, I talk with Leah Simmons, a Bali-based leader in health and fitness. Leah has dedicated her life to studying multiple modalities of movement, exercise, breathing, yoga, and meditation and is now teaching all of these practices into a philosophy she calls the Elevate Method. We went deep down the rabbit hole on body issues in women and men. We spoke about the ego, health, and how exercise and breathing can be used as a gateway for access to your higher self. This was a really beautiful conversation. Leah really opened up and shared her personal story of being a mother and what she went through to get really connected to her ideal life. Stay tuned, guys. You're going to love this one. By the way, head over to www.entrepreneurharmonics.com. If you are in business and you feel called to scale your business in such a way that it not only becomes an organization that runs without you, but it becomes an asset that grows without you, then go to the website now. Get access to the free diagnostic tool. It takes about 30 minutes. If you do this, you'll understand why and how Richard Branson has so many companies and he spends his day kite surfing and playing tennis. That's www.entrepreneurharmonics.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I am your host. And today I am joined by the lovely Leah Simmons. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. What do you think? What do you think of the place? It's very professional. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so I was excited to bring you in because uh, you have, you're the creator of uh, what you call the Elevate Method. And what that is is a combination of uh, different movements and uh, different uh, modalities in movement and exercise and nutrition and mind and all these things. And I love learning from people who know more than me when it comes <laughs> to high performance and body. And actually, my greatest teachers over the last, I'm going to say, five years, especially with health and wellness, has been has been women because my background is having done heavy lift, heavy lifting. You and me both, babe. Mascul <laughs> masculine gym stuff in the, in the past, and it actually yeah. ruined me to some degree. Um, so I'm super curious uh, about some of the things that you've learned and your journey, mm -hmm. which led you to that space. So uh, first of all, um, what are you what are you known for? Um, up until recently, probably my body. If I'm going to be completely honest, uh, my Instagram handle was Body by Leah Simmons. I built a very um, dedicated and loyal following and quite a successful business based around. Uh, my body and uh, so you were you were <clears throat> teaching people uh, methods for building their physique and yes yeah, so yeah. I've been a 
personal trainer and Pilates teacher for 14 years. Um, very much centered around the physical nuances of the physical. Um, I've definitely, I've definitely experienced um, both extremes. So I, um, I did the heavy lifting as well. I went right down that rabbit mm. hole, and um, you know it was all about uh, load and numbers and pushing through your, you know, your maximum rep rate and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I, I really enjoyed it and I saw definite changes in my, in my body. Mm. Um, one thing I suppose when you teach other people is, especially one-on-ones as any kind of a, um, a therapist, in whether it's um, body, uh, is that you become a sounding board for people to open up Mm. so during all of my sessions with clients uh, while I was training them they start telling you about their lives and I think whether you're a hairdresser or a a personal trainer um, you get an insight into people's emotional states and one thing that um, was a common theme for me was that there was a lot of misery going Mm. on out there in people's lives they're unhappy with this their job their relationship their this and that And it got to the point where I found it was a conflict between what society was selling you and what was actually taking place. So if you look at the the media, especially projected to women, there's a strong narrative around if you look like this, then you will feel like this and your life will become this. And I realised that that just simply wasn't true. Mm. And I I realised it not through other people but through myself because I got that ideal physique and I wasn't this blissfully happy person my life wasn't perfect if anything it was more miserable because the pressure to then maintain that was something else that was a compounded um yeah Uh, and here's here's a question for you because I I know it's probably even more magnified with 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 women but it's to, to me it's the same thing with men right it's like we, we, we kind of have, have it in our heads that going to the gym and being buff and all of this is health, right? It's good, it's good for us. But I know for myself, it's, it's actually been driven out of, you know, whatever is that little boy inside of me that's trying to get attention, right? So where, where do you think the line in the sand is in terms of, you know, what's actually healthy and, and what's not? Like, or, or does it not matter? Because, I mean, if you're engaging in practices of, of health, but it's driven from some kind of place of, um, you know, like, like trying to fix something emotionally. Mm-hmm. Is, does that not matter? Or where's the line in the sand of what's healthy and what's not? Well, this is what this is where you come down to the definition of health. Okay, so with with what I had realised was um, fitness, true fitness to me is addressing the health of all aspects of your life and. Um, health is not just physical health. Mm. So what I realised, uh, what I discovered over you know a four-year period was that there's actually four pillars of health. There's mental health, physical health, emotional health and spiritual health. And they all go into, um, I guess, determining the overall health of, mm. of you. So if you only pay attention to and train 
the physical side of it, but just, you know, don't don't put any time or effort into your mental health, your emotional stability or mm. your spiritual connection, then you are going to get a very unbalanced uh, result. Yeah. And you won't be operating at your optimum. There won't mm. be um, a healthy balance. Yeah, I, I, and here's an interesting reflection, I guess. I, I think, uh, you know, for, for myself... I didn't have that that really deep spiritual side, which I think I'm way more connected to now. And the more I tap into that, the more that it seems like that my desire to want to do exercise and the way I do that, it, it, it really seems to now come from a more authentic place of what's good for me. I'm not going to say that I don't have any ego because I, I still like having oh, muscles, yeah. right? Of course. And I'm always having this like conversation with myself in my head. It's like, is that a healthy thing to do? Can I do like? Can I do like that? The fact that you're having the conversation is is the biggest. That that part in itself of it, is you know, the, the awareness. hundred yeah. percent. And look, it's it's funny. The the reason that I developed the Elevate method was so that people wouldn't get um, any preconceived ideas around spirituality or meditation. It's for people that have never done anything like this before. It's a way for them to train all of those areas where they, you know, I've run into so many people that, oh, I can't meditate. I can't sit, I can't do that. Do you know? And it's like, well, can you breathe? Can you breathe? Then you can meditate. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the, and that's that's the misconception out there is that it's been so over jargonized, and I think spirituality well, and, and it's become an identity for a lot of people, and exactly. we we see that really magnified in Bali. Right? We see the really you know fluffy ones, and not to be judgmental, but that's what people I guess uh, perceive as being spiritual, and they're like, yeah, that's I want to vomit in my mouth, kind of like <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, again, it, it it all comes down to your relationship with these things, yeah. and you can on the outside you can wear the spiritual clothes and wear the mala beads and you know do go to all the ecstatic dances and the cacao ceremonies but Mm. if your relationship with why you're doing it isn't coming from a place of um separate like not separation detachment from that egoic place then you're just playing dress ups exactly and (laughs) and my my experience with a lot of those people is they're actually separated from the other parts of health you know, like like you're talking about, yeah. and actually, the most spiritual people that I know are the ones who are probably more like you and I are, who uh, have worked really hard at integrating all parts of their life. But you wouldn't, from the outside, look at them and go, "Oh, that's a spiritual person," because they don't need to show up as being spiritual, mm. right? Uh, for the word "spiritual" for me, it's it's so loaded, right? And um, it. It can have religious connotations, and and I think people shy away from it as mm. well. But for me, replace the word spiritual with the word connection, because that's all it really is. It's being connected to yourself. It's having a deep connection to yourself and and having self awareness. It's being connected to others, and it's being connected to the world. And it's about being present. So um, I think that's much more of a manageable way to bring people in so they're not sort of like oh I'm, it's all woo woo and yeah um because it has gotten a little bit like that and it's also lost its um it's lost it's lost its reason why it yeah. works because it's 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 all shiny bells and whistles exactly and, and i kind of i kind of wonder you know like how people lived hundreds or thousands of years ago it's like you know the 
humanity all had some kind of spiritual practice and rituals all kind of embedded into their life. But I, I kind of think, did they think of themselves as spiritual? No, they're just going about their lives. Like that's just what they did, right? Spirituality now is just is, being nature. Yeah. And they, they never saw a separation between themselves and nature and, and the earth and everything that is natural yeah. is spiritual. It has its own set of laws. It's the universal laws. It's perfect in its imperfection. Yeah. Um, and it was only when humans started to see themselves as separate and being able to control it is when we lost our spiritual connection to that. And, um, you know, I've actually been so lucky to be able to be delving into the areas of ritual and ceremony. I'm only in the very early infancy stages yeah. of it, but it's something that I feel very connected to. And to go back to those ancestral, um, just those beautiful moments of celebrating simple mm. things and just feeling gratitude for the fact that we are here and um, and being able to be connected to nature, that yeah. in itself is a spiritual practice. Exactly. And I think just being connected to what you're doing in, in every moment. Yes. You know, and, and actually having, and we'll come back to some of your actual practices because I'm very curious. And I think that's really powerful for for, for, for people to to learn and, yes. and tap into. Um, but give us, like, how, how do, what led you to this place where you're so passionate now about mm -hmm. doing it this way? Like, was there something that happened in your journey being the buff fitness model type? I don't know if that's what you was, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pigeonholing you previous no, no, into you're, that. You're not, you're, you're <laughs> completely 100% being, you know, that, that's yeah. what I was. And I, and I was very successful at it. I made a lot of money fronting campaigns for various fitness. Not only that, um, I was a mum and I wasn't 20. You know, I'm 43 years old. And so mm. I was a very um, tangible way for people that thought maybe it was out of reach for them. And it was like, well, if I can do it, you can do it. You yeah. know, so it was, a, it was kind of I was the that middle ground between being 20 years old, no kids, mm. Um, to it being actually something that you could do in the real world. But look, I, as I said, I, I was teaching a lot of people something. There was a shift in me where it just didn't feel right anymore. There was something missing. And, right. I, and, and I was really like, where does happiness come from? Like, if it's not from having this body, then where is it from, you know? And, and it was around the same time that I met my husband, Adrian, and... Um, for anybody that knows him, he, he's um, he's a very passionate, energetic uh, person himself that is really loves to explore uh, not so much mainstream stuff and, and, and loves that journey as well. And so we sort of together was like, well, let's, let's go on, on this little mm. um, odyssey to sort of find where it comes from and let's use ourselves as guinea pigs because <laughs> that's the only way, right? It's through experience. You can read something in a book but until you live it yeah you and never i really know exactly and what i think is cool about that is you know we can we can pick up hints from other people like from these conversations and get little insights and yeah i'll try that mm. but we've all got our own version like there's no right or wrong way when it comes to living your ideal life and you know what my practices are going to be very you know unique and different to yeah. the next person and you can only really discover what your connection is really just through that experimenting, right? Absolutely. An experiment we did. I mean, we, we, we did extreme fast. We were doing a whole thing, lots of different things. And, um, you know, some things resonated with Adrian and didn't really resonate with me and vice versa. But one thing that I found along the way was um, 
was Kundalini Yoga. And Kundalini Yoga is, um, if you imagine all different types of yoga, so Hatha Yoga, Iyengar, Vinyasa, Yin, all being a facet, one facet of a diamond, then Kundalini Yoga is the diamond. It's the yoga of awareness. It's the yogi's yoga. It's the yoga that um, it's an energetic form of yoga that focuses very much on breath work, um, directing the flow of energy, uh, unblocking the channels so that it can flow mm-hmm. freely. And then also there's a sign to it where it really pushes you through any perceived limits, whether they're physical, mental, spiritual, um, that you think you have, and it takes you to um, a place where it really opens you up to your own creative so, so it's really a gateway to ex- discovering what is, you know, what is your path. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And from my first experience with Kundalini, I was like, this is it. This is the missing link there for me, right? So I had a really profound experience in my first class, so much so that it made me want to go and train to become a teacher because I was like, I've got to share this with the world. How come it's not out there? Like, you know, um, so it, and it was the breathwork side of it that I really gained a lot of, um, a lot of results. From. So had you done other kinds of breathwork modalities not before that? Not as intensely and not with such purpose. Yeah. So, you know, within, within Kundalini, everything that you did, there was a reason around it. And so it's almost like setting an intention for a practice. When you focus into why you're doing something the results i feel like are so much more exponential if you had some sort of vague i'm not really sure and someone told me to do it but no if you if you can laser in on a reason or um, a dedication or some sort of intention as to why you're you're on this path um and it doesn't mean to say that you're not going to be knocked off it it just it Mm. sort of amplifies it I feel yeah. so because you can stay focused. You can so stay. so it kind of allows you to get centered and grounded into what is most important, and it helps you remove all the noise and. That's right. Zone so in. what you've just touched on is very important as the first layer of the elevate method, which is becoming present. So it's doing everything from the present moment, and mm. what you're doing when you are doing. Um, focused breathing because most of us use probably 30% of our lung capacity just when we're when we're normally breathing right we we breathe from our chests our diaphragm is sitting there dormant we have you know and we just do it to survive basically how crazy is it that we're not taught to breathe (laughs) right because it's it's an involuntary action it's like blinking no one teaches you how to blink or no one teaches your heart how to beat like it just it, that's the that's the beauty of our body. There's these functions that happen mm. where it just allows us to keep one foot in front of the other. Can you improve it? Hell yes. All of it. All of it, yeah. right? So breath work. Not only does it bring you into the present moment, which is so important to stop, you know, the stories that we saturate our minds with from the past and the future, you're flooding your body with oxygen. You're activating your nervous system. You are clearing your neural pathways. You are pushing uh, old, stale energy out of your cells, toxins. You are exercising your diaphragmatic muscle group. You are pushing fresh oxygen into areas Mm. of your body that um, probably haven't seen a breath. (laughs) and And to add to that, 
I think it also, when you, uh, it can give you the awareness of how much you can control your body. Absolutely. And so with what happens when you start doing it is your body starts to go, what are you doing? Like what, this is new. So it goes into a little bit of a spin and so it, it, it might go into that fight or flight response where it starts, you start to feel a bit woozy or uncomfortable and then it kicks into that, right, just, just focus on that, on that breath work and then you get this real opening. I mean, our brain, it's just been proven that they're not hardwired. We have this, you know, neuroplasticity. We can retrain our brain. We can create uh, different neural pathways, different habits, different feedback mm. loops. And the way that you do that is to, um, you know, you've got to crack open the old and make way for the new yeah. and oxygen delivery, um, you know, doing something, a, a focused, repetitive, uh, slightly uncomfortable do you know what I mean? That's going to break through all of those limits that you have in your mind. Mm. And so the first pillar for me is mental clarity. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think it's beautiful. But I, I think when uh, you know people are dealing with some kind of mental distress or, or whatever, it's like nobody's mind ever thinks and nobody's ever taught that, okay, well, one of the ways, even one of the ways I can help myself is to focus on something like breathing because what we're the world that we're indoctrinated into is, you know, if there's, if I'm not happy, well, you know, like I've got to take a pill or I've got to, I've got to fix myself somehow. The idea that you could focus on your breathing and that could help you with, you know, your anxiety or whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with is very counterintuitive. Like it's very, yes. it's almost backwards in terms of what we're, you know, exposed to. And Look, it all comes down to... Um... The breath work is obviously the solution, well, not the solution, the, the breath work is something that um, will alleviate all of those things that you talk about. But if you take a step back before that, it, we are just a collection of stories that we create for ourselves and that other people create for us, yeah. okay? So everything that goes on in your mind is not real. It's only a thought or a story yeah. that you've created or that someone else has given you. Well, whilst on this, I just heard this the other day because this is really beautiful. Uh, the, the memories that we think we have, 40% of our memories are actually things that happen, 60% of them we just made up. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> How crazy is that? I, mean, I, I would say that that percentage would even be more. I mean, yeah. and something crazy, like 90% of the thoughts that you have in a day, you've had like you continually have there's no yeah. new thoughts coming in it's all yeah. just a repetitive kind of feedback loop of mm. all of this stuff um so once you understand that our the way that you perceive yourself is really only a collection of stories or thoughts then you can drill down into why you're actually feeling anxiety why it's eliciting this kind of emotional response when it's actually not real, yeah. and that is a whole other um, that is a whole other sort of rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, and, and I'm not qualified to sort of go there. All I can all I can really talk about is um, how to bring you out of that story. Yep. 
and into the present where everything is always okay. Yeah, and, and I, I think what <clears throat> what happens again, like you, I'm not qualified in mm-hmm. any of this, <laughs> but the you know, when people are dealing with something, it's so easy to become a victim because you go to the doctor or whatever, and they tell you they give you a label. Okay, this is what's wrong with you, yeah. and you buy into that and go, okay, well, I have this. I'm now a victim. I'm now a victim to this disorder or disease that I have. And it becomes your identity. 100%. I mean, I find, you know, the biggest pill to swallow for people is that they can only make changes in their life if they accept responsibility for where they are in that mm. moment. And that means it's not your parents' fault. It's not your ex-boyfriend's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not your job's fault. It's not anything. It's not even a fault, but it's it's you created this world for you, whether yeah. you like it or not you are here because of the choices that you've made and uh, until you can until you can accept full responsibility for that you won't have the power to change it if you give the responsibility to say your parents then it's only going to be them that can you're giving you're giving your power away right exactly and and uh, i mean this is actually a can be a, a hard concept for people to grasp right because when something has happened to them it's like you know they were abused or something happened to them like you know these are these are real things but it's it's not about whether somebody did or did not do something to you whether they're you know it's like no i i'm choosing to take accountability and responsibility for what happened Mm. putting aside what whatever did happen i'm just choosing that and then that's bringing the power back to and you. what did I learn from it? And how yeah. did I grow from it? And, you know, what le- what am I going to implement in my life now that's been um, birthed from that experience? Mm. Uh, some of the most brilliant creative minds have born from incredible deep personal traumas because they've been able to take that painful, painful um, experience and turn it into something beautiful yeah. and profound for their own lives. And, um, you know, I think that that's... It doesn't matter what has happened to us. It's our relationship with what has happened exactly. that, that makes the There makes are no us... stressful situations. There are only stressful reactions. Yeah. You know, and that's... I believe that's very true. You have a choice of how you react to a situation, yeah. whether it's in anger or, you know, there's, mm. there's always a choice for you. No matter, if, even if you think that you are backed into a corner, you always have a choice. And what I've just, what, what the Elevate Method is, tries to do is to allow you to raise your energy enough to be able to see that situation yeah. and make better decisions around it. Yeah, but then there's also the, the physical aspect of that helps you to stay, remain in that yeah. state. They all pay. Yeah. You can't have one. It's without all an the ecosystem it's, it's that complete, feeds itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first one, uh, that's the long version of the first of yes. the first step, right? No, this <laughs> so is brilliant. Work. This is really good. Yes. Um, so what's the second? Second, second so, step. So basically, it goes. Um, it goes. Focus. Train. Balance. Connect. Yep. Okay. That's the that's the uh, the methodology of the journey that you will go through with yeah. the elevator. What what a, just while well, you touch on that, so. You know, you've articulated it as focus being the first one, but we've yes. had just have a ten minute conversation <laughs> going down the rabbit hole of what is focus, yes. and I think it's a really beautiful way of um, taking people on that because, like, like what you were saying, 
you know, that rabbit hole can be overwhelming for people, yes. right? But when you can just bring it back to, no, let's just focus. Let's just start there, right? And then open that door. And then where does that lead to? Absolutely. Yeah. And just focus on your breathing. Yeah. That's really what it is. And uh, let's try and improve the quality of that, mm. you know, because that will have exponential benefits moving forward. Yeah. Well, anyway, before we move forward, <laughs> I love this conversation. Uh why do people find it so overwhelming or find reasons and excuses to to not be mindful or not be present or not focus that is the 64 million dollar question uh, let me there's a there was an ex, an experiment that happened um and i'm not sure where it was i, I think i read it somewhere uh that there was some uh people that were in a room on their own and they were hooked up to a machine that would deliver them um, an electric shock, like actually inflict pain onto them. And they were given a choice. Sit here for 15 minutes by yourself or sit here for five minutes, receive a shock and you can go. Yeah, I've heard. And like 75% of the candidates opted to receive the shock. Why can't we sit on our own and be with ourselves? Yeah. Why is that? I mean, is it, it, we just live in a world of distraction and, Mm. um, you know, if I had the answer to that, then. Yeah. And I think this is, it's, that's the, it is a $64 million question for everybody because I I think it is the, it's the, the, it's the tipping point. It's the gateway for, for everybody. It answers so many questions. Like if you can, if you can figure that part out, you know, sitting in stillness for yourself. I mean, you, you, you can open the door for so many things. And that's why there's really little practices you can do. Like for me, it's like, I don't check my phone for an hour and a half in the morning. I don't check my phone for, I don't look at my phone for an hour before I go to bed. Like little things like that, uh, whilst it might seem small, they're, they're game changers. But this is where the beauty of ritual come, comes yeah. in. Because if you ritualize something and you give it a purpose and you give it a reason, um, it can become a beautiful little ceremony in itself. Yeah. So we have the same. We've just I've just um, implemented a morning ritual where there's no technology for an hour and a half. We make a cup of tea. We listen to you know. There's a thing, and it doesn't mm. change. It's like a little. It is our morning ritual, and it sets you up for the day. Yeah. And um, but going back to you know the question of why people are afraid to sort of be with themselves, I. I think that um, most people would be afraid of what they saw yeah. in those moments and that's really sad. I think that a lot of people have kind of masked pain and um, having to really look at themselves. Are they, and- scared of the, are they scared of the pain or are they scared of the great the, the, the possibilities or both? Both. It's such an interesting it's, question. It goes hand in hand, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because... Um, you know, pain is the gateway to transformation. You yeah. can only go through that's that will be the tipping point. Yeah. Um, I saw something the other day. I can't remember what the quote was, but it was something like the path to utopia and dystopia will only ever be uh, realized right at the finish line. Yeah. Because you, it it almost is a symbiotic journey to get there and it's what you do at the very point Mm. of you know which way do you go um yeah i think i think people just have a very 
misguided or even delusional relationship with what pain is. Like yes. pain is bad. Don't go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right. So back to the second point. <laughs> second part of the elevate method. Second part, Daisy. Second part is train. So yep. second part is the physical fitness aspect of it. Yep. Um. So. My training, my my what I'm rooted in was the Pilates method, mm-hmm. and that is a very methodical, um, transformative method for for me, where it, it drills down into uh, a lot of deep core conditioning, yeah. postural alignment, um, strengthening from the inside out. It has nothing to do with your six pack or how mm. much weight you can lift. It has to do with an inner strength and stability that will um, help keep your spine healthy and young and help keep the flexibility and mobility yeah. into Just your... whilst you're on the topic of Pilates, mm. Pilates is the one thing that has like, probably changed my life more than anything, mm. right? And the reason being is because uh, ever since I was a kid, I was diagnosed with a lot of things with my back. I had a lot of headaches when I was young and all sorts of things with my neck, my back and headaches, right? And then I went in my... 20s and did heavy weights and just destroyed <laughs> myself like perfect jobs I mean, for you <laughs> and so a couple of years ago i would kind of go through these stages where you know for months at a time i'd have really bad headaches and it never seemed to go away and it didn't matter what i tried chiropractic chiropractors osteopaths physio like i mean i've tried everything did everything yeah. things like acupuncture etc gave some immediate relief sometimes but wasn't um, getting to the core. It wasn't of the getting the core of the, the, the issue. Then I was living in Philippines, Manila, of all places, one of the most unhealthiest places in yeah. the world, <laughs> and I became the healthiest I've ever been. Right. right. And I, I went vegan for about six months, and I, uh, I'm not vegan now, but just going through that process yes. allowed me to just get in so in touch with um, what's good for me, and in you know how much quantities of things that I need, and get yeah. real awareness of of my body but pilates through a really good coach uh working with him for about like within three four months like my headaches were gone because i had really bad flexibility and within three four months it was just kind of gone and i get maybe once every couple of months a headache but there's no extended like three days four days one week two weeks of headache yeah it's literally changed changed my life and now my focus is i do mobility movements and party yoga mobility just my own kind of mixed version of stuff every morning for 20 30 minutes in the morning yeah then i do it again in the in the gym it's like that now is my is my focus i've got to keep that up absolutely oh well look i mean it's it's so i was a dj for 18 years that's a whole other i was a dj for 10 years (laughs) And I lived in London for six years and I ran a record label over there and I was I was hard partying, you know, yeah. like it was on. I get and it. this was like pre social media and yeah. pre all of that stuff. So it was a lot of whatever. But every, I would come back to Australia at the end of every year for a couple of months because the DJs that I looked after and that were signed to our label would do a two month tour of the Australian summer. And every time I'd come back, my mum would take one look at me <laughs> and just be like <laughs> You are coming with me. We are going straight to my Pilates studio. And so my mom actually introduced me to Pilates saying, you know, you're all bent out of shape. You're like, you know. And my um, my Pilates teacher was one of the first, uh, she was, she danced for the Birmingham Ballet. She was one of the first people to bring Pilates to Australia. She opened up one of the first studios. 
And she said to me, she was like, you, you would be perfect uh, teaching this method. You have the physique and what it's done for you in the last couple of years. I mean, my whole body changed. Mm. I would even say I got taller. I don't know how that works, but it, for some it reason you just me, yeah. lengthen and lean and it's uh, strong from the inside. And um, so when I moved back to Australia and um, was looking for a new career <laughs> because I was like, I can't be in the music industry any longer, uh, that was just like a natural kind of yeah. uh, progression for me. So it's it's always been my fallback. If yeah. I can't, if I'm not going to do anything else, if I'm not going to get to the gym, if I'm not going to lift a weight, if I'm not going to go to a yoga class, Pilates for me is my non-negotiable yeah. because it's just been so consistently good for keeping you, uh, maintaining you on track. And, oh, my God, it is, it's the changes, the slight changes in joints, in your joint health, in your posture, um, I've never really experienced anything like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I love this conversation being you're a woman and I'm a man and we're talking to we're the same sh- thing, sharing yeah. the same thing because my perception of Pilates before was it's that's girly. a girly thing, right? That's a girly thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the, the saying that I have for myself now is heavy weights made me big, no weights made me strong. Strong. So when I was teaching in Sydney, I designed a, a class called Pilates Max, right? It was it was for guys basically to come and feel like they were getting more of a blokey masculine type of workout, you know, because I get it, right? You don't want to be taught by, like, it's okay if it's your yoga teacher, but you don't want to be taught strength stuff from a woman. Well, there's, I, this, there's this, not yeah. so much now, but back then, 10, 12 years ago, there was this kind of thing flying around and like the, she can't tell me how to have a strong core. Um, do well, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I also think that like with 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 the masculine, there is this primal kind of urge to push heavy things. Right? <laughs> there just is, and I, f- I feel it very often. Yes. And when I go in the gym and I like just do it, I do an uh, I feel like doing an arm session. I'm like, oh, that felt good. You know, so, so I if I told that. you that you could push heavier things if you also included this, yeah. you know, maybe that's the way it has to come through in the mindset. I mean, pro surfers, pro skaters, every football team on the planet, every basketball team on the planet, they all do some form of core conditioning. Whether yeah. or not they want to call it Pilates, it, it, it makes no difference. They're yeah. all doing, um, you know, they're all stripping it back from the gym and doing stuff it's it's all basically about um, being on an unstable surface and being being able to um, being able to isolate muscle groups and be stable. So um, keeping stability in your pelvis, keeping stability in your torso, in your shoulders, but also but activating different parts of your if, body. If, if somebody's like got chronic ongoing pain that they've had for a long time mm-hmm. hands down pilates is the best thing like i tried yoga before pilates one time i ended up in hospital from doing yoga and the way i kind of explain it is pilates from the outside you can kind of look at it and go you know you're doing similar movements but it's just way more controlled and isolated whereas yoga in the class i'm trying to compete still i'm like that person's going there yeah. i'm trying to do that as well if someone's got chronic pain like mm. hands down pilates yoga also comes from um, 
Pilates is very much more in your body, mm. okay? Pilates is a physical modality. Yoga has a more of a spiritual uh, side to it where I think the yoga teacher is paying more attention to the breath cycle, blah, blah, whereas Pilates is very uh, your alignment and what muscle group you're activating. Mechanical. It's much more mechanical, which yeah. is probably why there are less injuries because you are really in your body in yeah. Pilates. In yoga... You can be in your body, but you can also be up in the fifth dimension, do, you know, doing it. It's not about that with Pilates. And because I was designing something that um, takes you there, uh, it was very important for me that the train aspect of it kept you in your body. Yeah. And this is so when I was researching um, all different methods and what was kind of in vogue at this time, especially where people are finding themselves more indoors at the moment. Uh, I was having a good, heaps of different uh, fitness apps. And the one thing that was the, the common theme throughout was this AMRAP, this, this 45 second on 15, go as hard as, as fast as, as, as you can. As many reps as possible. As many reps as possible, which is AMRAP, yeah. So um, go, and, go as hard and fast as you can for 45 seconds, rest for 15 seconds, then throw yourself into a completely different exercise, go as hard as fast as you can for 45 seconds, rest for it. So it was kind of like um, whirlwind of manic activity yeah. without really paying any attention to technique, form, is it actually working a muscle group to a fatigue, are you getting time under tension, like any of that sort of stuff. And certain people kept pulling the game, but that's the way that people are doing it now and they want to feel like they've had a cardio response. I'm like, I can give them a cardio response by giving them four push-ups to do. It's yeah. how you do it and it's how it's how slowly you do it. It's how you break down the movement, da da da, da. So I kind of had to really trust my instincts and go back to, no, this is, I know this method works. I know how to get results physically uh, where you're not a sweaty you know, you, well, yeah, you still you will be a sweaty mess at the end of it, but it's a different type. It's not yeah. an out of breath, you know, um, and the results you get. So what I do with my train component, rather than doing a circuit where you're working the whole, I work a muscle group to fatigue. Then I move on to the next muscle group. So you've got squats, then you've got abdominals, then you've got back or posterior chain, then you've got side work, then you've got glutes or it's a combination of whatever, and each of those different muscle groups will be worked um, to actually elicit a muscle response in that, in that and, group. And if I, uh, you know, my experience of exercise and what I'm hearing is that's a far more uh, sustainable methodology yes. where a lot of the exercises you pointed out with this, you know, uh, volume of reps is kind of like the immediate gratification kind of thing it's like i want to feel like i've worked out really hard yes but how many how many people are keeping that up for however many years it's like they're doing it for three months and then they're going back to the sofa and then it's like oh i feel like shit again i'm going to go do that again yeah which i don't think is sustainable you've got to find whatever that thing is which is yeah. you, you can continue for years and years and years which i i it is that's what i'm hearing in, in your methodology that's right and i'm you know i am constantly cueing you there's a form you know it is it's all about the slight adjustments that keep you safe but also keep the right muscles working. Uh, it also keeps it, it motivates you and encourages you to keep to keep going. And you know, it, because I'm doing it with you during, it, 
I, I know when I start to, I'm like, right, well, that, you know, you need to lift your bottom up a little bit more, right. activate your core, all these sorts of different things. And look, it, it's not for everybody. Some people do want to have that, um, that real kind of F45-y sort of cardio response, which is great. But I think with my method, the things that I've added on, the exponential benefits, if you commit to it, are... Uh, yeah, and well, so what I found, what I found with, with the, the way I do it is, because I've seen the way I used to do it, and I see a lot of people doing it, is they go through kind of cycles, right? They do, you know, like an F forty five for three months or six months or whatever, and then they, you know, change it back or whatever. Yeah. What I found works really well for me is for me to do all of it, but kind of mix into mix the, it up, mixing into the week. So I'll do mobility on one day. The next day I'll go and do some weights. But when I do the weights. I'm doing it with the frame of mind of how I was doing the mobility, which is very controlled movements, and yes. I, ha- I have that frame of mind. So I'm but never. But you have that understanding. A lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, the Elevate method is designed for even if you wanted to go and train legs in the gym that day, you can. It's not. It's not designed to like smash you. Yeah. It's designed to give you a really effect. So if if it's the least, if the, if it's the only thing you do, you're getting a benefit. If you want to add things to it, add. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. it is that practice of doing something like the Elevate Method where you're integrating a practice where there's control and there is uh, the new understanding the nuances of the body mechanics yes. so that when you are doing the other things, you're, do, you're doing them with much better With much form. more, yes, yeah. and it, absolutely. Yeah. So the so, train aspect of it, so the way that it works um, – is there's four different verticals. So there's elevate core, elevate burn, elevate uh, enduro, and elevate total. So core is more obviously focused around a core training program. Burn is more lower body, so more osteochain, squats, glutes, hamstrings. Uh, Enduro is more of a cardio, and then total is like a total body kind of tune-up. So the idea is to do... All four of those in a week cycle or something? Yeah, yeah you yeah. can, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, or, for example, if you're you and you wanted to go to the gym and, and do a leg day, you might want to do Elevate Core just as to add a, an abdominal core. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you yeah. can design it that way as well. Um, and all of the meditations and the breath work are designed around what training component you're doing as well. So if mm. we're doing a core then a lot of the breath work is going to be using the navel point to activate the energy center there to switch it all on. So you're doing that breath work during the exercise? No. So the breath work is part one, yep. which is focus. Yep. So and then, how long does that go for? That's a 10 minutes. Okay. okay. You then move into the training component, which is 35 minutes. Yep. You then move into the next component, which is balance, which is a guided meditation. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, and that's the, this is the magic. You've just generated internal energy because of, I mean, it's all internal energy, but you've warmed yourself up from the inside. You've really activated your nervous system. You've, you know, from the breath work, you've then moved into a training component where you've fired up your muscles. So you've got bucket loads of energy just yeah. flying through your body. And where most people go wrong is that they don't take time to integrate it. They leave the gym, they go off about their day, and then they just leak it like all over the place. Do you know what I mean? And they wonder why by the end of the day they're zonked. When you come out of the Elevate Method, you could do it again. That's interesting because I I, I quite often, after I've done a 
vigorous workout, I like to just sit there and just kind of meditate for 10, 10 minutes before I do anything. And well, I feel if you're, if you're awesome intuitively doing that, doing that, that yeah. means that you need to take the time to allow the energy to integrate. Yeah. There's a lesson, kids. There's a lesson. Tip number one. No, so so then it moves from the training component. We go into a, a three four minute stretch just to get the heart rate down, but can, you know, and then it and then it goes into a meditation. Yeah. So the guided meditation centers around uh, different themes. Uh, obviously, depending on what the um, what the the vertical is, um, but it's always centered around you know gratitude practices, self love. I talk about the whole ponopono. There's all these different beautiful meditations um, that are there to support and help you integrate mm. the energy. Uh, and then the final modality is a proven heart connection technique that I use um, called. The heart math lock-in technique. I'm okay. not sure if you're familiar with that. Uh, I'm familiar with the term heart math, and I've read, seen some things. Yeah. But not any specific. So methods. it basically just that's the spiritual part of it, and it just yeah. deepens your own connection. I I, I I love how you are bringing all these things together in such a way that is really tangible for everybody. Like yeah. you, like we're talking about spirituality, but it's said as heart math. And it's like exactly such a beautiful way of bringing yeah. it to the world. I think, and even if they don't know what that is, it's it's not even all they need to do is be there. Yeah, like. But what I love about this is like, <laughs> if somebody was completely ignorant to what is spirituality, what is heart math, and de- depending on people's personalities, you presented the same thing. But as heart math to some people, they'll be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yes, there's but, maths in it. <laughs> but, but you present spirituality to the same person, they'll be like, nah, no, that's not for me. Totally. And it's the same thing. Absolutely. It's such a, such a cool cool, yeah. uh, cool conversation. But that's that's the beauty of, you know, how we are all different. We all resonate with different things. And look, to be honest with you, some people won't resonate with, with this. But what I really wanted to try and do was, you know, there's – I feel like in the business of spirituality, spiritual people only want to talk to other spiritual people. Yeah. Like what is that? Our job is to try and bridge, it. Bri- bridge, bridge it. the gap between yeah. the people that really, you know, want to be there or, but just are so terrified or have no idea of, you know, how to, how to get there or have all of these horrible beliefs about themselves that they can't yeah. do something. I feel like my purpose in life is to be there and to hold people's hands and make it not such a scary monumental step. It's just show up, just start. And uh, if I can make it fun and also because of my, um, my background in DJing, there's an unbelievable soundtrack that goes with it, that you're doing the whole thing to music. So I've designed this soundscape Mm. that takes you on this journey uh, through the breath work and then into the training component and then into the meditation using different, um, vibrational frequencies which you know they don't know that that's happening but it, it's all designed to uh really fire up every sense so not just yeah i want people to experience uh, experience it on whether you're auditory whether you're a visual person whether you're a kind aesthetic kind of person it kind of taps into um all of those mm. areas and allows you to just resonate on whatever level um, you want to. I, I think it's cool. Um, we'll make sure everyone's got the the link in, yes. uh, in, and so people can go check it out. But um, tell us a little bit about what are you, some of your daily rituals and your practices. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're a mother. You've yes. got a 11-year-old and a 2-year-old, is that right? That's right. And what I love about meeting um, powerful women like yourself is it's like you've, you're doing all these amazing things, but at the same time, you have such, such strong disciplines and rituals with uh, you know, your self-love and what you do for yourself, but you're a mother at the same time. Yes. And a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of parents you know, might be listening to this going, I don't have time for this. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really powerful to be the demonstration of what is possible with living a life like this yeah. and be a, an amazing conscious parent, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your daily rituals and what does that mean in terms of your family dynamic and being, being a mother? So I just want to – my experience as a mother has, has been um, – I've had two very different experiences as a parent. Uh, my children are both from different fathers and uh, I'm currently married to the father of my two-year-old and I have an extremely good relationship with the father of my um, 11-year-old. We, But obviously through any separation of a, or breakdown of a relationship, there's going to be a period of um, self-reflection and probably grieving grieving and bad choices and um you know self-sabotage around a lot of your behaviors and stuff so i was a single parent for a good four and a half five years um before i met my current partner and i didn't make great choices around the raising of my child i was a dj slash fitness it was a sort of um i was going through a transition period in two different careers I was working a lot um, and I look back on that now and you know I didn't have the knowledge of what self-love even meant or self-care practices I had no idea I just felt like I needed to provide and um, keep my head above water in any way shape or form um, it's only been recently that I have been blessed enough to be able to understand the uh the power and the need to look after yourself first um because obviously if if you're not in a good mental state physical state any emotional state that is just going to pour out of you all over mm. not only your kids but anybody that you're in a close relationship with kids are so instinctive they are like energetic sponges and i've n i've noticed this so much with my two-year-old she is a barometer of like where I'm at. If she's having a meltdown, I'm like, what's going on with me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that is another bitter pill to well, it's swallow. probably happening before you didn't see it. Well, you don't want to see it. Yeah. You exactly. go, it's not but me. But now, now you're in a different place where you want to see it. That's right. They teach you. Yeah. They are the, the greatest teachers on the planet. If you could only kind of get out of your own way and, you know, I don't want to... My worst fear is to, like, plop all of my conditioning, you know, which I'm working so hard at trying to strip away, onto my kids. I want them to be free thinkers. I want them to be big dreamers. I want them to have such a, such a, an amazing sense of self that, uh, you know, I have no ownership over my children. I have a responsibility to keep them mm. safe and to um, love them, but they don't own them. They they are their own little beings and they're hilarious as well to watch. But I also want to preface this this um, 
by saying I'm very lucky to live in a place where, you know, we have a lot of support. So I feel for all of the people out there struggling in cities, in countries where there's no help available, I was the, I've been in that situation and it's fucking, excuse my language, it's hard. It's, even, it's hard when you have another partner. You know, parenting is, it's, I've done a lot of stuff in my life, right? I would say being a parent is damn the hardest thing they've ever done. You know, I'm mm-hmm. used to being able to read a book and be like, I've nailed that. I can do that. I'm the expert on that. Being a parent, it just throws you curveballs all the time. There's no being an expert in any of it. The biggest thing is to let go of that constriction around what you think you know, you're trying to do and just let them sort of guide you. I think that's the biggest um, lesson that I've learned. And even though it will, it, you just, it sometimes makes you, you've got to t- breathe through it. it yeah. They need to, they need to show you. They, they were born with pure love, pure light, no conditioning, nothing. They, and, um, you know, I think, the more that you can listen to them and watch them and uh, really allow them to flourish and develop as their own little beings, um, the better that you'll be for it. So some of the things that we, um, some of the things that we have installed is, you know, my son's 10, he's got an iPad, he's into Fortnite and YouTube and all that sort of stuff, but he's also into skateboarding and um, hanging out with his friends. So I think a healthy balance um, we have boundaries around screen time. So at 7.30 at night, not just for Ryder, my son, but for all of us, yeah. everything just turns off and goes away. And we sit there as a family and discuss our day. And sometimes we sit there in silence, but it's just, it's that practice of, um, you know, turning off the screen, getting out of somebody else's world for a minute, really coming into our own sort of family unit and spending some quality time together and then as I said in the morning there's no technology until uh you know an hour hour and a half after we've woken up we mm-hmm. all all of us for all of us um that's yeah that's 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 beautiful so what are, what are some of your um what are you, what's your philosophy on health food and nutrition like what are you do you lean any one way are you constantly experimenting what's your <laughs> what's your take on food so um I, like you, I don't put labels on myself in terms of I'm a this or I'm a that. I, I'm flexible around, I try to be intuitive around what I need and what my body's asking for. Um, having said that, I think uh, degrees of fasting is the most effective way to really clear out on an emotional level, not just a physical level, um, you know, and really do a reset. So, and there's degrees of fasting. So some people choose to do an intermittent fast where they're not restricting the types of foods they eat, but they're restricting the amount of hours that they can eat it in. So that will be your, you know, your last meal is at seven or six at the night, and then you don't eat until midday the next day. So giving your body a real chance to, um, move through anything that it needs to digest and start mm. that healing. So you're, you're doing, you, you're doing intermittent fasting. I do intermittent fasting yep. at the moment. I'm doing intermittent fasting combined with a liquid diet. Okay. So, um, again, it's not, it, so I'm choosing to deliver my 
my nutrients to myself in liquid format. Is that is that a temporary thing, the liquid, or is that a? It's ongoing? a temporary thing. Yeah. Um, you ease yourself in and out through, yeah. um, you know, no alcohol, no sugar, no meat, no, you know, so you kind of go into, I mean, you don't have to, you can kind of just cold turkey if you want to. Yeah, it depends on your disposition. I well, I, like the way that I, I do it is I kind of just intuitively know now, like I just. Well, that's it. Like, you know I, what I'll you do, need. Exactly. Like last week, you know, when I was going into ceremony, I was like, okay, well, I, I know what's going to be good for me is to is to fast for two days beforehand. I know I, I know that. And I do very regular fasts. I do intermittent fasting. But I'm not super, super strict about it. Like I know if I've got a big day, like I might have a smoothie bowl in the morning or something. You're, like, I mean, you're not the audience that I'm trying to talk. You know. Do you yeah. know what I mean? In terms of like, so if I had to, you need some, some people need guidelines because they're so... What I'm finding with a lot of people that I come into contact with is they are so disconnected from their physical body. Yeah. They have no idea how they're feeling. I actually think that the way for people to discover that is is to do extended fasts. <laughs> like if you if you can go without <laughs> if you can go without food for a week. Your body will know. Your body will start to know what it needs. Absolutely. Like it's just, but it's come 100%. day two, people are climbing the walls, and you know. The, but that's a- but that's why people should do it. Like the first time I did it, I was like, "There's no way I can do this. There's no freaking way." But this is why there's the mind. Thing. This is why you cannot. Whether it comes to just training at the gym or just doing, it's all connected. Yeah. Right. So the health of your mind is going to affect the health of your body is going to affect the health of your emotions is going yeah. to affect the health of your connection. Like- well, there's, there's so many things that are happening on a physical level when you're, when you're doing fasting and you know, like, again, I'm not qualified, but what I know to be true for me is when your body is not digesting, yeah. right, your body is healing itself. Right. And you eliminate toxins. There's lots of physical things that are happening, but going through that process of, of breaking through where, where I thought I couldn't go without food and now it's easy for me. Yes. It's like it kind of opens this doorway. That's a of, mental thing. Exactly. It's like what else is possible? Thing. What yeah. else am I saying to myself exactly. that is difficult, that is actually not difficult, but I'm just telling myself that it is? So, you know, it's like anything. Everything has layers. You've just you've just uncovered a new layer of um, of your truth, right? What's true for you and what your potential holds now. If, if I'd asked you a year ago, you would have probably said, oh, I can't even fast for three days. You know, you crack through different layers. And, and I feel like everybody's on a path. There's nobody that's not trying to feel better. I, I can't imagine, you know, whether it's through some people feel, you know, some people will feel better through um, taking drugs. I mean, it, it's, just, it's all a mindset, right? And it's all about um, trying to break through and elicit some kind of a response from your physical body or from from your mind. Um, and I 100% agree with you. I think fasting and extended fasts, uh, water fasts, like how you know how deep does the rabbit hole go yeah. in terms of what you can push your body to do? I think it's just a, it's a gateway. It's a fast track to to understanding so many things. It is, and I think starting you know just believing that you are going to be okay if you limit your food intake for yeah. a little while like that's the biggest hurdle for most people that haven't done a fast before yeah. to get their head around well, because I mean, we're so programmed and whether or not it's through um 
the food companies it's, or, you know, life. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, you got to eat three up. times a day. It's all made up. That shit was made up, people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it, it was made up to serve the purpose of the food companies or, you know, the, I don't know why. I and, again, I want to also preface this by saying I am not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not anybody to... You're just somebody who looks and I'm feels good. I'm just somebody who looks and feels good <laughs> and has done certain things that I can go, yeah, when I did that, I felt amazing and not only felt amazing, I was thinking clearly, you know, mm. so whether or not you want to kind of take that on board is, I would say there's two parts to doing a fast and they both go hand in hand, especially if you're going to do an extreme fast. You, if you're going to restrict what you put into your body, you've got to make sure that what you are putting into your body body is supporting your body. So your gut health is supremo like it's number one and there's certain things that you can ingest whilst you're fasting to maintain that good bacteria within you because what you don't want to be left with are the stomach acids and things like it there's no point um sort of stripping everything out and then because you're going to be full of toxins so what happens is it'll start to leach out of your body um, as you enter the detoxing process and not have anything to support that clearing it out yeah. right so there's things so you need to be mindful of maybe consulting someone that is an, um, an expert in that field to support you through it because that would be the best way, I feel, for you to get to the end of it. I think it's you know? like people have asked me all the time and I've done uh, five days with just water. Yeah. I've done seven days with juice a couple of times and I actually think it's better for people to start there because they're getting calories, they're getting nutrition, it's, I think, a little bit less brutal, you know. So. It also, it's a meant, okay, it's time for my meal or yeah. it's time for, you know, so it's sort of and you look quiet. So, yeah, you're you looking look forward. forward to it. Yeah. Um, it satisfies the taste buds and it, it gives, it delivers that little dopamine hit to your mind because you're getting a, a treat. Uh, yeah. So I agree. Some people would say, no, you know, cold turkey, just go, go for it. I don't feel like, for me anyway, that method works. Um, it's a bit too abrupt. Uh, yeah. I like to be eased into things. <laughs> so Hold my hand. Speaking of easing into things, uh, last time I saw you, you had full head of hair. Yes. <laughs> so is this this is a, a shedding, a fastening of some some sorts? So this goes back to our, the first question that you asked me, um, and and, uh, and so what are you known for? What's your, mm. and I said I was known for my body. Okay. So my Instagram handle was body by Leah Simmons. It has, it was, it was that way for four years. I made, um, I developed it. I grew it. Uh, it, it served me it well. Served its purpose. It absolutely served its purpose. Um, through my journey of self-discovery and, and obviously going down all these different, uh, roads of modalities to develop the elevate method, um, I, I became less and less connected to the, just the body aspect of it and it almost became a thorn in my mm. side. Like it was I'd look at it and I would sort of walk at it and I couldn't – I mean, even if you look in my feed, it's so obvious that I was just conflicted. I, I went through about a year of like I'll post a bikini shot and then the next post will be this really deep sort of – You're trying of, to cover it up. You're trying well, to – cover it up but satisfy all areas yeah. but then I was so concerned about my – 
following that they would just desert me if I kind of went down this road. Like I I was really, it was a very big lesson for me that I had to go on around shedding the ego side of me, right? And so when I was ready to, and I felt like there was a day where I was actually feeling quite at my lowest and I was like, today is the day. Mm. Today. So you'd had the thought that you want to, Cut all your hair off. No, it wasn't even that, but I'd seen it. It's I'd, I'd done some work. It was a vision that came to okay. me. I had seen it in a few, um, Cause a obviously few deep meditations. So obviously it's very symbolic. Yes. But there's probably also a physical aspect of, you know, like the, the shedding as well. But there's, if you, I've had long hair, white hair, pink hair. Like I, I my hair has been a thing that I have changed throughout my life I've had a mohawk I've had and and it's always been in different parts of my life and then I had to kind of look at why what was I trying to say what mask was I putting on what was I trying to distract people from by changing my hair so drastically all of the time and I realized that it was a a defense mechanism it was something that I could hide behind so that people wouldn't really see what was going on under the surface the real you the real me yeah And I was ready to reveal that. I was comfortable in my skin enough to shed not only the ego layer from a spiritual point of view, but I had to satisfy that across all, you know, and so that was a symbolic shedding of that. And I also, on that day when I did it, and I did a ceremony around it, like I, and I offered it back to the earth and um, it was really beautiful, Uh, but I also changed my Instagram handle yep. to I am Leah Simmons. And, and what were the reactions from, from people? It makes me really emotional to think about it because I didn't realise how um, profound and effect- oh, I, could, I just thought it would be my like own. It, just, it sounds profound and brave to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I had, you know, over 600 comments on the post that I did around how um, not and, – and it was – hardly any of them were about how it looked. It was more f- from a – how it touched the person that, that was responding and countless direct messages around how something that I just felt like was for me – has affected so many people out there to the point where it's it's really changed a lot of their lives. And I'm not saying that in a way of, um, you know, from, from an ego point of view. I was so humbled by the response, just blown away. Like absolutely, I couldn't believe how such a simple thing could have such a... Um, such a profound effect on on so many people. And look, I have to say, I was also very mindful. I was very, so when I did it and a couple of my Balinese nannies walked in, they both burst into tears because what it represents for some people is illness Mm. and sickness and some people don't choose to look like this. And I had to be really mindful of the fact that um, it's not everybody's choice. So the way that I wanted to bring it out there was that it was one of the most liberating, empowering 
freeing things from my own life. This has nothing to do with the way it looks. This has everything to do with the way it feels and everything to do with the symbol of, you know, and even if it's not your choice to look like that, the power that it gives you is exponential. Um, So how does it feel? Feels amazing. <laughs> you look, you My look, husband can't stop rubbing it, and he looks the same. We now look like twins. It, it actually, it actually, <laughs> it actually suits you. But honestly, like I, I admire the, uh, I, I, I fully understand all the comments you get, and I think it's deserved and it's beautiful because uh, I think it's a very brave thing to do. Not just in the sense of cutting all your hair off or what am I going to look like, but <laughs> just like to to take that massive leap of like stepping into something new and, uh, you know, what's going to unfold out of that is going to be magical. It's going to be big. You make it sound like it was a choice. It wasn't a choice. Mm. It wasn't a choice for me. This was the next step. And um, I I now, like you, am in a place where the signs that I get, it's not like, do you want to do this? No, it's not like it's, yeah. this is what you're doing. So you just, you are... You have to trust that. You trust it, but, but you do trust but it. That's you where trust the bra- it implicitly. That's where the bravery is, and I think that's mm. the that's the that's the real symbol, mm. and like where the power is for, for people who have witnessed this is like it's giving them permission to 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 trust in themselves. Absolutely, and whether and however that manifests for you, like, you know, it might not be shaving your head. It could be some other form of a, a shedding. It could be a, a relationship, or it could be anything. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would say go into that place in yourself where, you know, where did that, where did that spark come from? Mm. And then and, and try and sort of tap back into that. Uh, it's, it's easy to get, it's easy for the idea to, to come into you but then to get kind of shoved down by other people's opinions, your own opinion, like all of this external stuff and noise. Mm. But um, I think it's a really beautiful thing to try and just, and that's what the breath work and the mindfulness and the focus and the, you know, just sitting in your own energy for a moment without anything going on is so profound because it it allows you to tap into your own inner knowing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, before, I've got one last question before we close out, but... First of all, I just want to acknowledge you for um, for being a for being a guiding light for, for people and trusting in your own intuition and uh, and and listening to your purpose and taking action on that because I think it's a real demonstration and you're an amazing demonstration for what's possible not just for men but for women in terms of um, living a fulfilled life and being healthy and. So many things. So thank you so much for, for being on. So thank you. Um, one last closing question: um, what, what, If you had one message for humanity, especially <laughs> in this year twenty twenty, like if you had the capacity to connect with every human on the planet, just one message, what would that be? Stop. Stop what you're doing. And take some time to listen, not to out there, but to yourself. Um, 
Yeah, it's that's a huge question and there's so much going on, mm. you know what I mean? I think it's um it's a really beautiful time for people to stop and look around and and, and look at what's important, what's really important. Um and be able to tap back into their own mm. intuition, their own heart, their own Yeah, I, and I think that's been that's a common thing what I've heard this year. It's like by accident in some ways, you know, people have been led to this place of being able to stop and listen to themselves and where do I really want to go? Mm. But I think what's beautiful out of this is um, don't wait for a pandemic. Don't wait for Bill Gates to do something, you know, like do this for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I also want people to, I believe, however we got here is irrelevant. Yeah. We are here. And what are we? What are you are going to do, do with, with the time? Yeah. How can you add value to this time? Yeah. You know, and and know that this this is perfect. This is exactly what was meant to happen. It doesn't matter where, why, how, what. Yeah. It's what do you do now? Yeah. And that's important because we can get so wrapped up in trying to figure out how do we get here, what's going on. Who cares? We're here. Yeah. Like. I'm I'm so yeah. optimistic for the world. It's, it's, it seems ridiculous, but I'm so freaking optimistic. It's Absolutely, crazy. pain is the gateway to transformation, yeah. and that yeah. is that's the truth. Yeah, There's, I think the world is yeah. cutting off its hair right now. <laughs> Beautiful! <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the oh, show. It's Monty. been a real pleasure. I'll make sure everybody's um, got the links to. Go and check you out. Please. Follow you. Instagram, is that the best place to Yes, to I am you? Leah Simmons. Okay, yeah. awesome. Guys, make sure you go check it out. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. By the way, head over to www.entrepreneurharmonics.com. If you are in business and you feel called to scale your business in such a way that it not only becomes an organization that runs without you, but it becomes an asset that grows without you. Then go to the website now, get access to this free diagnostic tool. Takes about 30 minutes. If you do this, you will understand why and how entrepreneurs like Richard Branson have so many companies and he spends his day kite surfing and playing tennis. That's www.entrepreneurharmonics.com All one word. I'll see you there.